So welcome to the Crown Council Mentor of the Month. Uh, I'm Steve Anderson and uh, very looking forward to our, our mentor this month who has been a long time uh, mentor of mine and the Crown Council. Uh, world-class trainer, marksman, Olympic gold medalist, uh, Lanny Basham. For those of you who have not somehow have escaped my talking about Lanny Basham because I talk about him everywhere. Uh, let me give you a little bit of background. Uh, one of uh, Lanny's claims to fame uh, is that in 1972 in the Munich Germany Games, and, and uh, anybody that <clears throat> was uh, around back then will remember the Munich Games because of the whole hostage situation. It was uh, it was one that was very memorable for uh, a lot of bad reasons. And uh, for Lanny, uh, it was an Olympic Games that he failed in his attempt to win the gold medal in the International Rifle Shooting Competition. And uh, because of he was slated to take all the gold, and uh, most people don't start their introduction, Lanny, with their failures. <laughs> so this is good. But uh, as we always talk about in the Crown Council many times, uh, in within a, a failure or a setback is the seed of its equal or greater accomplishment. And this is certainly the case here. So as a result of that, um, Lanny went to a course in uh, mind control under pressure. He was less than impressed. And so he went ahead and did some research of his own where he went around and interviewed Olympic gold medalists, those that had accomplished the goal that uh, he wanted to accomplish. And what he discovered were some similarities that a lot of these gold medalists had in common. And as a result of that, he developed a system that he uh, named mental management uh, that he then went back four years later uh, to not only win all of the gold, uh, but to set four world records. And uh, since then, for the last uh, 30 plus years, he has trained uh, tens of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of people in these same systems in athletics, as well as the corporate and professional world. Uh, and as many of you know, I've, I've shared that he is, uh, has been a, a trainer for the Secret Service, the U.S. Navy SEALs, the United States Army Marksmanship Unit, the U.S. Marine Corps uh, Marksmanship Unit, and uh, many of the Olympic teams in the United States, Canada, India, Japan, the Republic of China, Korea, and Australia. This is the United Nations of uh, marksmen here. So uh, I'm excited, uh, as I always am, to have Lanny with us today. And the topic uh, that I am very excited to talk about is his latest book that just came out entitled Parenting Champions. And uh, Lanny's been a big fan, gratefully so, of uh, the book that we came out with years ago called uh, The 13 Biggest Mistakes Parents Make, <clears throat> and uh, found great interest in that and the people he's worked with, and has now uh, come out with a parenting book of his own, and well-deserved, because uh, Lanny, you've got um, a, a big crew of champions that you have raised. And uh, so this book is really a, a great combination of personal experience, as well as using the, the uh, technology and the systems that you've developed uh, over the years on, on how to be a champion. So uh, we're excited today, whether 
uh, you're listening today and you have young ones at home or if you have uh, those that are now gone on and you're an empty nester or whether you've had never, never had any kids at all, this is about influence and how you influence the people around you, whether they happen to be your children or people you work with or management, there's universal application to this. So uh, welcome, Lanny, once again. We're excited to have you with us. And maybe for starters, uh, maybe give us a little background on how you decided to write the book and why, why the topic, why now? Well, we've been teaching people for um, about 40 years. And uh, everybody says the same thing when they come into our courses. I wish I'd learned this sooner. Yeah. And so I got to thinking, well, when is sooner? When would sooner be appropriate to this thing? And what we really do in my company is we teach people who have no real way of getting this information what the winners are really doing mentally you know you ask anybody uh you know what what percentage of what you do is mental you probably get a pretty big number back i mean if you ask any olympic athlete olympics are about to start you know here in, in korea and every olympic athlete i've ever met or pj tour player that we work with will always say the same thing my sport is 90 percent mental and you say, well, okay, if you're in a sport is 90% mental, uh, you know, uh, how much time and money have you spent on the mental game, you know, uh, since you've been <laughs> doing it? And that, that tends to be a very low number sometimes. They think it's very important, but, but sometimes they don't know how to, how to get the information. So what our program is, is different from sports psychology in the sense that sports psychology is based on psychology. Ours is 100% competitor-based. Mm. We have contacted and had influence and, and being able to, to get into doors that might be closed to other people to find out what are the winners really doing mentally? How are they thinking differently from, from the folks that, that, that are maybe aren't at that level? And what if we could take those principles and the things that they, that they do that are different and maybe implement those at our level? Would we maybe reach our potential faster and maybe uh, do, do better work and so forth. And so, so in the process of, of working with our students, the common thing that always pops up is, is uh, boy, this is great. I wish I had known this sooner. Well, I wish I'd known it sooner too. Right. And uh, <laughs> right. so I, I thought, well, when would that be appropriate? Well, it's, it's, it should be taught. This stuff should be taught in schools. So we actually mm -hmm. built a curriculum for a high school, uh, initially a high school curriculum. We have a collegiate curriculum as well. And we have high schools that are actually offer this as, as this course uh, that we've developed as an elective in high school. And we're teaching them and the title of the course is what the winners know. Wow, and, very cool. Well, that's great. But now I'm getting people that are saying, gosh, I wish my school had this. this right. We can't, we don't, we're not in all, everybody's school. So I thought, well, really what needs to happen is we need to have a resource for parents. And so that's what really started it out. I wanted to write a book for the parent that says, look, if you've got a, a child at home or, or anybody that you influence, maybe you're coaching uh, kids or maybe, uh, and, and by the way, the book could just as easily be, be, be called uh, coaching champions because it's really a coaching book. Right. But if you have anyone involved with competition in your family, then uh, 
you are the most important mental coach that your child will ever have. The most important mental coach a child will ever have is this is uh, the person who drives them home from the game. Yeah. And so that's what started it uh, to try to try to do that. And most of the coaches and we coach a, we teach a lot of coaches were were, were telling me that uh, you know really and truly my biggest problem in coaching is is mom and dad. Because yeah. uh, in a lot of cases, they, they are, they're the problem. And uh, I don't know how to deal with it. <laughs> well, and you know, the other thing about that, Lanny, is I know, and this wasn't in your introduction, but I know you have gained a huge following in the dog training world. You got professional dog breeders that just love your stuff because they figured out it's not about training the dog it's about training the trainer <laughs> it's the it's the one training the dog yeah dogs in our classes but we have a lot of dog At dog trainers right so same same thing and in fact i'll tell you one other thing just in speaking of competition uh i got a a a text message from one of my now college student daughters and uh, yesterday was the first day of the semester. And so I sent her a text message early in the morning and I said, uh, you know, are you ready for school? And she says, yes, I'm stressed. And I said, why? She says, because I, I'm stressed about the possibility of being stressed. <laughs> and, you know, so it, when I was thinking about our conversation today, I thought, you know what, pretty much everything we do has a competitive element to it. I mean, we want to succeed. We want to do good. And whether it's in a, you know, in a, a, a marksman competition or an athletic competition or merely just going to school and wanting to do well on a test or an assignment, the same rules apply. Is that right? It is. And, and you know, I, I, open, I open the book this way, though, it is uh, to ask a question. Uh, as a parent, what's more important to you, what your children accomplish or who they become? And, and I've never met a parent yet that didn't say who they become. Correct, yeah. And, and I, find that, I find that very interesting because uh, accomplishment is, re is rewarded often. Becoming is rarely rewarded. Well, why, yeah. is that? why is that? That's a good and question. And, and I'm going I'm to explain why I think it is. It's because accomplishment always has a number associated with it. Yeah. It's a, a, B, C, D, F in school. It's gold, silver, bronze, the Olympics. It's, it's how much money you make. It is a way to separate people and to put them into, into categories and say, okay, you're, you're elite because your numbers are higher than the average numbers or, or your numbers are not, perform, not uh, up to speed. So, you know, you need to get better. And uh, so it's all about accomplishments. So, so you have all kinds of awards uh, and, and recognition available to people. And yet that's not the thing that's most important to the parents. What's important to the parents is who they become. It's who you are. It's not what you accomplish, it's who you are. What kind of a person are you? What about character and, 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 and your personal beliefs and your, 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 uh, your self-image, really? And so uh, I, I think that that's very difficult. Those kind of things are very difficult to quantify. How, how do you put a number on confidence? on belief in yourself, on attitude. I mean, all those things that are really important in the middle game uh, are very difficult to quantify. Hard to measure. So what we, we have to learn how to do is uh, parents need to learn that what happens at the elite levels 
is that these people are not thinking the same way that the people in the middle of the leaderboard are thinking. And I'll give you, I'll give you a couple of examples. And, and okay. parents really ought to think about this too, is that for, first of all, most people think that performance is a function of really two things. We, we're, maybe I look at them as circles, like okay. a conscious circle, what you think about, and when you change what you think about, your whole world changes, you know, and subconscious circle, which is your skills. And most people in the middle of the leaderboard think that, look, all I have to do is think good thoughts and have skills and I'll be successful. Well, there's a problem with that because it's not a two circle model, it's a three circle model. There's another circle and that it relates directly to who you become. And that is your self image circle. The self image makes you act like you. For example, if you and I are playing golf together and, and uh, you think you can beat me and I think you can beat me, it's over for me. Right. It doesn't matter what my skill level is. My skill level could actually be better than yours. But if I think that you can beat me, I'm, my self-image is going to drive me to become what I believe is true about me. So, so this idea of, of, of self-image and your attitudes and habits that we, that we have, what I had to learn, what the most important thing and the reason why everybody should, should have this book is I learned this early on, that what, what the top people taught me, is that how is that self-image circle, how did it get so big for, for, for the, the uh, people? How do they have so much confidence? How do they have so much belief in themselves? And it's because of a thing called imprinting. Imprinting. Every time you think about something, it creates an imprint in your self-image. Uh, every time you do something, like if you're just like working with PGA Tour players, every time they hit a good shot, then it's called an actual imprint. If they hit a good shot, their self-image imprints that it's like me to hit a good shot. If they hit a bad shot, it's like me to hit a bad shot. So the self-image grows and shrinks based on, on what we actually do. But in addition to that, I had to learn this, that every time I think about a good shot, my self-image grows. Every time I th worry about a bad shot, my self-image shrinks. So every time you think about or talk about or write about something, it, your self-image is responding to this and it's either growing or shrinking based on, on what the imprinting, how the imprinting uh, occurs. So, so if you understand that every time I think about the solution, my self-image grows, and every time I think about the problem, my self-image shrinks. Every, you, you would start realizing what the top people do, they don't worry. They don't worry about outcome. They don't ever think that they're gonna do poorly. They always think that things are gonna work. They, they are 100% are po positive, and everybody kind of knows positive is better than negative. You don't see too many books on the bestseller list on the power of negative thinking. <laughs> right. That comes, that, that comes a lot easier, right? The reason, the reason why positivity works is because of imprinting, is with, that we imprint what we want to have happen, and it becomes like us to do it, and then we, we find ourselves a, a, able to do it. But parents, when they're working with their kids, sometimes loving, meaning parents that mean well will say things to their children that cause them to picture the problem not the solution. As a matter of fact, our whole world 
is geared to get you to think about the problem, not the solution. For example, when you get when you get get uh, take a test in school, uh, unless you went to someplace different from me, if if there was ten questions on that test and you got two of them wrong, those were the ones that were marked, not the eight that you got right. Mm -hmm. We tend to to uh, talk to people about their problems. If you go to any sporting activity with the exception of one sport, all the sports that we coach, if you go to a golf tournament, rifle tournament, anything like that, and you ask the players when they come off the field, how did you do? They're gonna talk about what they did wrong first, not what they did right. Now that creates a negative imprint and it causes your self-image to shrink. Well, what the top people do is they don't do that. And so what I'm trying to teach parents to do is this, is how to talk to your kids when they come home from the game. And, and I, I'm going to offer three simple questions that will build their self-image and not, and not break their self-image. The first question, this is what I ask my tour players, all of my students, after, <clears throat> I'll, I'll do phone consultations this very day, and I will go through this exactly these these three questions. The okay. first question I, I would I think parents should ask them is, is what did you do well? I want them talking about what they did right. Now, if, if they're playing in a game or they're competing in some way, they're doing a lot of things right. Let's talk about the, you look at a report card. Okay, you got two or three A's, you got one F down there somewhere or D or something. But you got two or three A's there. Let's talk about the A's first. Let's, let's talk about what went right. Talk about, all right, so you played in this game. What did you enjoy? I want them imprinting because the things that they talk about first, the things that are closest to the action call, are imprinting the self-image more than, than the, the second or third thing that you talk about. So let's talk about what went right first. Okay. The second question is, what did you learn? Because I believe that with a competition, only two things can happen in a competition. You win or you learn. Okay. There's no winning and losing. You know, losing is a decision. It's not a, it's not a fact. What, what happens is that when things go well, you should, you should rehearse that. You should, you should think about it a lot. When things don't go well, you should say, what is this teaching me? What am I supposed to learn? What, what should I do next time? And thinking about the solution causes self-image to grow. So parents can get them, can correct it. And I think that, that it is the responsibility of a parent to correct, but it is not the responsibility or the duty or even a good idea for parents to criticize or to, or to cause their kids to think about the problems when they could be think, causing them to think about the solution to the problem. For example, one of the worst things a parent can say to their child when they come home from the game is, how did you do? Now that, that, that sounds, sounds innocent, but when you consider that the world is, is conditioning their, your children to talk about what went wrong first. You just yep. have an open-ended question that, that automatically demands an answer of here's what I did wrong. And parents just don't know what question to ask. And the question you should ask is, what did you do right? And the next one is, what did you learn? Okay. And the question is, what are you going to do about it? I mean, is this going to build you 
Are you going to learn from this? I mean, making learning from a mistake is not a mental error. It's a requirement to get better. Mistakes are so critical to growth. And so, uh, you know, we, we have no problem with, with, with kids making mistakes. I, I, how many, I don't know any elite performers that didn't make a ton of mistakes. The, gear is, the difference is they learn from them instead of beating themselves up about it. And so one of the th issues that we, that we really pound home in the, in, in the book is that when you're talking to your kids, what are they picturing? Are they picturing the solution to the problem? Or are they picturing the problem themselves? Are they picturing who they want to become? Are they picturing who you're, who you're disappointed in? And uh, I see that, that this is common among the elite performers, the people that do 95% of the winning, only 5% of the people do 95% of the winning. And so we've studied those guys and we see the differences, we see the, the similarities. And, and I think that parents, this book will equip parents. There's one chapter in there, my favorite chapter in the book is what, what to do when things go wrong. Uh, you know, okay. who, hopefully if you've got a great relationship with your children, who they're gonna talk to when they're disturbed about the performance is probably gonna be you. I hope it's you. And when they, when they do talk to you, you need to know how to talk to them so that they, a lot of things that happen to them, you, you should actually say, oh, instead of that, oh, that's so terrible. You maybe should, should actually be saying, well, I'm glad that happened. What did, what did we learn? You know, and what, what's, what's the solution to the, to the, to the problem? Lanny, could you, could you address a, a quick question? Because a point of differentiation here uh, that everybody's experienced, you've experienced it, I've experienced it, uh, which is the difference, you know, we've had this whole big emphasis over the last, you know, I think the millennials were all raised with this, you know, build their self-esteem. And so we end up recognizing things that aren't even accomplishments, like, uh, you know, just give you one, one example. My youngest son uh, finished his first season of, of uh, soccer. They lost their last game. And, and at the end of the game, uh, they got the end of year medal. And at six years old, he looked at me and he said, Dad, what's this? And I said, well, it's a medal. And I said, what for? He, he asked me, he goes, well, he said, what for? We lost. <laughs> so can you, can you differentiate this whole you know, build their self-esteem movement uh, and contrast that with this self-image imprint deal? Because it's too, I mean, they might be related, but they might be different. But can you differentiate that so there's not any confusion there? Well, uh, let's get some terminology uh, definitions down. The self-esteem and self-image are not the same thing. Self-esteem okay. is whether you like yourself or not. Got it. If you don't like yourself, by the way, if you don't like yourself, you are mentally ill. You don't need mental management. You need psychiatry. <laughs> okay. Self-image is your, is your opinion about yourself. And we have opinions about everything. I mean, do you, do you like spinach or you don't like spinach? That's a self-image. Right. Do you, think, do, you, do, you, do you have a good attitude about, about certain things or, or, or not? And sometimes we don't even have to experience it to have an attitude about it. I mean, uh, have you ever bungee jumped, Steve? Uh, you know, I've imagined it in my mind, Lanny. I haven't, I haven't made the jump yet, but I've imagined it. Something that you think you'd like to do. I'd love to do it. Well, see, there, there you go. You have that opinion, but, but 
but I have a self-image about that, but you actually have no personal experience. But Correct. you have other experiences in your life that somehow are similar to that. And so, so that's how we form our, our self-image. So self-image is really an opinion about whether or not we can do something or not do it. But here's, here's where it affects, where it comes to competition. You bring up a point about the, uh, giving medals to people that don't, that don't do much. The problem is that you cheapen achievement by rewarding failure. I've never said that we should reward failure. I'm saying we should learn from it. Yeah, big difference. The big difference, big difference. And, and when, you, when you compliment somebody, it, it's, it needs to be an, an honest compliment. I mean, to, to compliment somebody, to have it as a habit, oh, you're great, boy, that's great, you're just, you're just great, you're just great. And, and well, great's a, great's a huge term. Do you really want to use great? I mean, do you really want to use awesome all the time? Because when they do something that's really awesome, what, what, what term are you going to use now? You know, it, it's, it, it, it's hard. I, I'm, I'm not uh, against uh, rewarding people when they earn it, but and, uh, uh, when they win, I think we ought to praise them like crazy. When they, they reach the top level of their potential, whether they win or not, we should praise them like crazy. You know, it's possible for you, for there be the kids in school who, who the top level of their potential is probably a B. I mean, they knock themselves out to get a B. And then there's other kids that are just so darn quick and smart that they don't even have to study and get an A. Well, which one really gets the, uh, the attention might, might be the, the B earns as much attention as the A does if, if that's at the top level of their potential. So uh, we, we define winning at my company as, as reaching the top level of your potential and your potential is different for different people and different different and My potential in certain areas is much lower than my wife's is in other areas and, and, and uh, as she might say all the time. <laughs> so I, I love, uh, love the three questions uh, as we uh, kind of come in for a landing here and wrap up. Can you give us a, uh, just a quick snapshot of one suggestion when things go wrong, when things don't go as planned or, or cause I know that that's one of the things you just mentioned, one tip uh, or a mistake to avoid when things don't go as planned or things go wrong? Sure. Um, I think that you need to look at everything, and you kind of almost uh, stole my thunder about what you, the way you introduced me. A little bit. <laughs> that, that I think that a lot of times when you have something that looks like something is happening to you, really something is happening for you like for for example in in, in my life if you if, if you read the book you'll you'll see my little story i was a kid who couldn't make the baseball team i was slow short uncoordinated i was devastated that they wouldn't let they would they didn't even want me to play right field in little league baseball which <laughs> the worst player i couldn't even make that team i was devastated that i couldn't make a i, I couldn't do that i remember in in sixth grade we're studying Olympics in school, and the teacher makes a statement in class. You know, I'm, 
you know, it's, it's possible somebody in this class could be an Olympic champion someday. I want her to have the best chance. This little boy sitting next to me jumps right up and says, teacher, I don't know who'd have the best chance, but I know for sure who'd have the worst chance landing. <laughs> I, I choke at the Olympics in 1972. I get a silver medal instead of a gold medal. I was devastated because I choked. Okay, now yeah. think about those three things happen. I couldn't make the baseball team. I got this this comment made, you're the worst player, and you know, nobody can you're gonna be you know, the worst chance of making an Olympic team. And you and you choke at the Olympics. At all three of those times, I thought that my world was was crumbling, that it was it this was yeah. happening to me. But do you realize, Steve, if I'd have been even an average baseball player, I never would have won a gold medal. You would have never discovered riflery. You realize that if that kid had not said that, my Olympic dream was born that day. I can't. Yeah. I'll show you. I'm going to the Olympics in something, and I got. I mean, that started that. It wouldn't have happened if he hadn't said that. And I choked at the Olympics. I've won a lot of world titles. I've dominated my sport for six years. My favorite medal is that silver medal in Olympics because it gave me a company that's fed my family for 40 years. That's so true. You need to tell them, be careful. This isn't something that's happening to you. This for is you. happening for you. So good. That is, that is uh, I could talk to you for days. <laughs> I, I love, I love, I love your experience and your wisdom. And, uh, and I love the application to parenting, uh, you know, of all the things I think that we do, um, that's the team that matters the most. And um, you've been, you're, uh, you know that you're uh, an example to me in so many ways. And <clears throat> one of them that, uh, that I haven't ever really talked about is you have really raised a group of champions and they surround you. I mean, you've got your whole your whole team is your family and participating in the business and, and have gone out and lived their lives based on the principles that you've found that really work, which is uh, great. In fact, we're, uh, we're looking forward to having the uh, uh, part of the, the mental management team at uh, Eagle U this summer to work with uh, the Eagle U students, which is to, uh, to really uh, introduce them to a lot of this stuff as well. So as I mentioned, um, the book, uh, brand new, just out, Parenting Champions, What Parents Need to Know About the Mental Game uh, by Lanny Basham. And uh, Lanny, I understand the easiest, uh, fastest way to get a copy of the book is to go to your website, mentalmanagementstore.com. And uh, mentalmanagementstore.com, that's the fastest way to get a, get, uh, get a hold of the book. And uh, I am devouring this myself. Uh, as you know, I've got a lot of application for this in my personal life. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, and I, I love the things that you've shared today and uh, everything that you have done for us for many, many years. You and I have known each other for well over 20 years and uh, you have had and continue to have a huge impact on me and my life and my family and uh, everybody we work with. So thank you for sharing your wisdom today. And I look forward to everybody uh, devouring your new application to mental management principles. So thank you. Thanks for, be thanks for being our mentor this month. Again, it's uh, Parenting Champions at Mental Management Store. Uh, dot com. 
Lanny, thanks again. Thanks for being our, our mentor of the month once again.